Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, shall we? And I actually am pushing to end this portion, um, not this series, because I would like to get into the gifts, start getting into the gifts next week. And so uh, we're going to be actually in verse, I think we're in verse 21. So I know you're all in faith with me. (laughs) Some of you are questioning, I can hear it. (laughs) It's all right. That's all right. I don't blame you. Oh, I was going to say this. You'll notice this. I was running through this because I was running through the numbers from last year as far as giving and stuff like that. Not looking, I don't, I don't see who gives what, okay? I just see general numbers. I get like a big, I get a, this is what came in. You know what I mean? And um, I ran the numbers from the year before to this year, and in our giving, total giving, we more than doubled what we gave in, in 2020. In 2021, we more than doubled it. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I, I looked at it, I went, wait a minute. And I looked at the number from last year. And I mean, we gave a lot last year, or in 2020, but not in comparison to 2021. So praise God for that. Amen. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. You know, if you're going to give beef, you get beef. You know, it just it's, has that effect. So that means you guys prospered. That means the church prospered. And it means this next year, that prophetic word is true. We're multiplying. And we're going to continue to multiply. Amen? So you'll see the numbers because they're all there. I didn't, there's nothing hidden, so you'll see what it is. But it's just, it's just amazing to me what God can do. All right. So last year, I think, last year we talked about, uh, uh, was it 2020 that we were saying he would do exceedingly abundant? No, it was uh, counted all joy. That was 2020 was counted all joy. Last year was uh, Psalms 23. And then this year is multiplication, but it's be a doer of the word. Those that are doers of the word will be blessed. So uh, the word of God always works. If you'll work it, it'll work. Okay? Sometimes people are looking for other people to work it for them. That's not how it works. You have to work it for you. Amen? I mean, people can assist us in our faith, but we have to grow and develop in our faith. And how many have realized that that is sometimes painful on your flesh? It just is. There's just no way around it. But that's all right. It's good for your, you know, if you're doing the word and you smell burning flesh, you're probably biblical. See, you all thought sacrifices under the Old Testament were over. Well, they are in a sense. It's just you that's, your flesh that's burning up now. <laughs> so, uh, but praise God, he's faithful and good, and he helps us all the way through. Amen? All right. So, we are in, we are in 1 Corinthians 12. We've been talking about uh, that we're, we're in Don't Quench the Spirit. And this is actually the sixth part in this. And I was going to try and get into, this, into the uh, uh, gifts of the Spirit right away. And the Lord said, nope, you need to talk about the function of the body and the importance of unity in the body. And uh, I loved what Joy was saying about family. You know, it's not always easy, but you don't ever leave family behind. Have you noticed? Now, that doesn't mean, you know, sometimes people say, well, 
um, you know, I'll just defend my family at any cost. Well, if your family's wrong, you need to love them and lead them to repentance, but you don't defend their wrong. Does that make sense? Well, the same is true in the body of Christ, you know, and that's part of what Joy was saying. It's the same principle in the body of Christ. We should have each other's back. That doesn't mean we have to agree on every little thing, nor does it mean that we need to condone wrong behavior. That's not, that's the, you don't find that at all in this scripture. People sometimes will read certain portions of scripture or they'll find certain passages and things that they, or, or subjects that they really like. And if you stick yourself to that subject, you'll actually miss whole sections of things. I was reading over my notes from uh, when I was in Bible college and uh, Brother Hagin taught the class on the gifts of the spirit and uh, the, the, the uh, manifestations of the spirit. And he, he made this statement more than once, not just in that class, but I have it in my notes. He said, the word of God is like a mountain. And you are get. how many have ever hiked a mountain before? Okay, climbed a mountain um, or stood at the base of a mountain? You know, that mountain will look different depending on where you're standing. Now, all the word of God agrees. But have you ever been in a mountain where there's a lot of trees and you just can't see the peaks? But once you break into the clear, you start to see the peaks. Or you get to the way top and you look down and you go, wow, that looks a little bit different. Or you're at the very bottom and you're looking up. Or if you go to the east side or you go to the west side. Do you see what I'm saying? You, the mountain can look a little bit different. You say, what's your point in this? My point in this is that we don't want to become so uh, kind of pigeonholed in our thinking that we actually miss certain sides of the mountain. Because there, there should be this continual process going on in our lives where from year to year, we see things differently than we did. Now, we, don't, we, we may see things that, you know, we, we weren't seeing correctly. Like we may see God and understand God as our Father in a new light this year than we did last year, which is okay. We'll never lose the truth that He's our Father. It's just you get another aspect of who He is. And that increases and encourages your faith. And uh, this is what I love about the Lord. You'll never get bored with him if you do it right. Amen. And if you follow stable people that have been faithful in ministry for years. Amen. Uh, one of the things, there's a, uh, an ebook that comes with the, the series we're going to do this uh, weekend for teenagers on how to pick friends. It's a, there's an ebook in there, and uh, we'll tell you how you can get it for free. But uh, in looking at some of these things, how to choose friends, you know, as Christians, we should be careful what we eat spiritually. How to pick who you listen to. Now, that can be taken the wrong way. Because, you know, just because somebody has PhD behind their name doesn't mean they're right. I mean, you know, uh, people, some people will write books on parenting or marriage and they've been divorced three times and their kids are a mess. Well, they went to school for it. Well, they should apply it. <laughs> you know what I mean? My, my point in that is not to condemn anybody. It's just who are you following? What's your example? Uh, you're never going to find a perfect one, but you can find some really healthy ones. Amen. Paul made this statement. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So you say, how do I choose who I follow? Well, as long as the person's following Christ, you recognize that God's anointed that person and God's called you to be there as you're submitted to God and then submitted to whoever he asked you to submit to. 
But and then and as as you as you're following that person, if they deviate, this is what Paul was saying. I, I like to turn it around. Basically, what Paul was saying is, follow me unless I don't follow Christ. Then go ahead and follow Christ and quit following me. That's what he was saying. You know, and uh, and that's the right thing. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say things to us like this: "I'm a man; I could miss it." After being in the ministry for 60 plus years and a prophet and a teacher internationally known all around the world and was 80 plus years old. I watched him prophesy over people and and then he'd get done and look at him and say, now I could miss it. I'm a man. You judge that and do what God tells you to do. I don't see that a lot in the prophetic today. And it bothers me. I'll just be honest. It bothers me. There's a lot of people and, and so... I feel like there are some things where we've grown, but you're constantly kind of having to move, navigate back and forth. You know what I mean by that? And get back to where you need to be. Because um, there's, there's just stability that needs to be in place in order for things to be accomplished. And uh, that's what we're after. So just be, be aware of those things. Be, be cautious of those things. Check everything against the word. You know, don't just take it because I said it. Check it against the word. Uh, judge it against the word. And I realize, you know, sometimes I've had ministers tell me, they say, you know, you want to be careful with saying that too much because people take liberty with be led by the spirit and they just do whatever, they, they're led by their spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I, I see what's being said, but I still disagree. You still have to be led for you by the spirit of God. You know, people will come up to me and say, you know, should I get the shot or not get the shot? Should I, you know, uh, uh, take this job or not take this job? Well, I can agree with you that God will tell you. But I am not going to become God for you. It's not going to happen. I won't do it. First of all, it's insane for me to even think I could do that. But secondly, it's not my call. My call is to, is to yield to the gift that God, uh, the Spirit of God and the gift that He placed in me to be able to speak what He asked me to speak, and then it's your job to filter it. And people say, yeah, that's what we do. And everybody should do that collectively, not just with preachers, even with your spouse. Now, if you're in direct violation of the Word, it's simple. We don't even need a leading. We just know, here it is, you're wrong, or you're right, Whatever. So you need to choose for you. People say, well, I think everybody, I know people that are uh, uh, heavy into uh, like diets, you know, like eating right. Everybody should be vegetarian. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> right? Well, there would be no more sickness in the earth if everybody was vegetarians. That's not true. That's not true. Jesus didn't go around saying, eat more vegetables, eat more vegetables, eat more vegetables, eat more vegetables. You people need to lay off the cow. You just. Now, if the Lord tells you to eat vegetables only, then do it. But you can't make a doctrine of it. Does that make sense? So we got to be careful with these things, and that's why we keep going back to the Word and keep back. I don't know about you, but every time I go back to the Word, every time we read through the Bible again, another year, and then another year, and then I read through it again, and I look what I marked at the year, and I realize, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's, I remember that. I, I circled that and put stars by it. 
you know? Uh, I'm reading through Job because I'm doing the chronological one right now. And people read through Job and they get into doctrinal dysphoria. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, how did God do this? Number one rule going into Job. You have a covenant with God that Job did not. Number one rule. <laughs> I mean, I wrote, so what you say, what do you, what do, you do it when you're reading through it and seeing all this stuff? I write next to the stuff that I, I see in there where they're like, like Job said, if I only had a mediator, I write next to it, Jesus Christ. I got a mediator. I write next to it, uh, 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 there is a medi- there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I put New Testament scriptures next to Old Testament ones. And people say, oh, you know, because you know what people do? They get in their head and they go into Job and they go, yeah, God, why didn't you let that happen? And they forget about Jesus. You're under a different covenant. Job, Job didn't have a man who could talk with God and be a mediator. We do. In fact, because you received him, you can. You can talk with God there. You know, it's not just the enemy presenting a case. You can go right up into the throne room and go, Lord, you said let us plead together. Let us reason. Let us come together and reason. And you can do that on your own. And so we need to do that. We need to be aware of that. We need to keep going back to this word. Keep going back to this word. I love the demonstrations of the Spirit. And there's a natural side to me where I would like to just make those things happen all the time. But I've tried to make them happen, and it's dangerous to go that direction. Have you ever tried to pray in a direction, and you can tell the Holy Ghost is going, nope. Some of you, some of you are, yep. Some of you are looking at me kind of like a cow at a new gate. <laughs> That's what Brother Hagin used to say. Anyway, so <laughs> it means nothing to me. I, <laughs> I don't have any cows. So anyway, but, but, but if, if you haven't experienced that, you just haven't gone far in prayer yet. Because you will eventually. Where you go to pray about something, it's like, Holy Ghost, you're just not hooking up with me on this. And the Holy Ghost says, yeah, and I'm not going to. Go this way. Have you ever purposed to pray for somebody and it's like, boom? Because the Holy Ghost ain't, he's not hooking up with you on it. You need to move on. He'll have you pray about something else and your head will go, I don't want to do that. But your heart will go, yep, that's the direction we need to go. It's called spirit-led. Amen? It was spirit-led. So when it comes to the gifts of the spirit and the body of Christ, we need to realize we're all baptized into one spirit. And we're all one body. We are all one body in Christ Jesus. Each and every one of you are connected to me and vice versa and each other because of the spirit of Jesus Christ that lives in us. So when it comes to the gifts of the spirit, everything should be done with the understanding of the gifts in an unselfish way. So what does that mean? That means... When you, when you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit concerning the gifts of the Spirit, you understand that you're ministering to the body of Christ. Not it's, This isn't about you. Okay? Now, we're going to get into this, and let's go to uh, verse 21, and, and we'll begin there uh, this evening, um, and, and begin to look at this. And there's actually two sides to this, and we're going to hit them both, uh, like uh, uh, Herb has said, and Uh, You've heard it said before, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditches. Okay? 
So, and there's always two ditches on either side of our, or there's always a ditch on either side of a truth when it comes to biblical truths. And I'm going to hit both sides again today. And my goal here, guys, is not to beat you up. Okay? It's not to, I'm not trying to discourage you from the gifts. What I am trying to do is bring balance to what we know as far as the gifts, but then also the character, holiness, understanding the love of God family side and the body of Christ as a whole. Because this is what the Holy Spirit ministered to me. He said, Sean, you, the church and our church specifically, because I'm not called to the whole church like in that sense, like some ministries are, but our church specifically, we will not see, we'll see the gifts of the Spirit operate and the move of the Spirit happen, but we won't see it to the degree that the Lord desires if the character issues are not dealt with. God flows strongest... Uh, the Spirit of God flows most unhindered in the atmosphere of His love. From the motivation of His love. So if you want the head gate wide open, love is the crank. Does that make sense? That's what causes faith or, you know, like Paul says, desire spiritual gifts... That's what causes faith to, to be most vibrant and active is faith works by love. Well, that requires a lot of crucifixion of the flesh. But we have plenty of resurrection power to dominate every desire of the natural man. So sometimes it, this happens, and, I, and I'm guilty of it. I think we all are to a degree because of... Because we live in this world. We can so focus on the enemy that he, we actually end up accidentally magnifying him more than the Lord. Have you ever had, a, a, we'll just say, that the flu and the cold season just went through, right? And have you ever had symptoms in your body and you know you're supposed to magnify the word, but those symptoms, it feels like they're so big. Have you ever had that feeling before? But you've got to learn to get over into the spirit and magnify that word and magnify the Lord. Uh, if you have the time to do it, which everybody does, there's no excuse. If you have the time to do it, you need to shut yourself in a room and pray in the Holy Spirit and just praise God for an hour straight with no interruptions. You say, what does that mean? Put your phone on airplane mode. You're like, but, but somebody might text me. You'll get over it. And so will they. <laughs> Have you ever noticed you, you go to set time to do, spend time with the Lord, and it's like opportunities come out of the woodwork. Like you remember where you hid or you, where you put all the keys you've lost for the last 20 years all of a sudden. <laughs> it's spiritual warfare. <laughs> So you need to take time to magnify him, amen? And we do that by getting into his word. We do that by getting into his presence and honoring and blessing and letting him, letting him speak to you. And people sometimes say, well, I don't know if I can hear from God. Trust me, when you get quiet enough and he speaks, you'll know you heard from him. You'll know. And nobody will be able to pull you off of what he said to you. You'll know that you know. 
People will doubt you and you'll go, it's all right, go ahead. Just stick around, see what happens. Just stick around, just keep sticking around. Have you ever gotten uh, beat up by doubters around you? Even your faith buddies that are now your doubt, doubters around you? You ever had that happen? Or situations don't go the way you thought they were going to go? You've made adjustments in areas, but it just hasn't changed yet? Get with God. Get with God because he'll speak to you and he'll deal with those situations. He'll speak words to you that will deal with the mental and the physical fight that you're in. Because it's coming from the spiritual. And then the mental and the physical will adjust itself to what you place your faith on. Amen. But sometimes you got to be a little patient with it, but that's all right because you'll build up endurance. Amen. And the devil go, man, we shouldn't have tempted him like that. We shouldn't have drug it out so long or attacked him for so long. Look how much more endurance they have. And that's what you want. That's what you're after, strength. So we see in verse 21, uh, Paul is continuing along this example of the body concerning the body of Christ and the physical body. And he says this, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The mirror Bible says it this way, the eye perceives and the hand touches. They do not compete for importance. You like that? I like that. They don't compete for importance. The head will never make the feet feel inferior. In the body, there is no sense of, I am positioned higher than you, and therefore I don't need you. I don't need you. The scripture clearly teaches we were baptized into one spirit. When we follow the Holy Spirit within, we are never led into this kind of division in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit never leads people into an arrogant attitude of superiority concerning their brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it's not a matter of, sometimes people say, well, I, you know, uh, and I like these, these two illustrations here, and we'll get into a little bit more here, but the eye and the hand. You know, it might seem like the eye is more important than the hand. But in the body of Christ, they're both equal in importance in that sense. Because they both have a specific function. So I like what he says here. Those that seem more important or more visible, or the parts that we might pay attention to more, they cannot say, I have no need of those who don't seem as important. Now I'll just tell you this, as a pastor, it's a big deal to have a whole lot of helps parts of the body. Even though you may not be seen where I'm seen or Joy's seen or Heidi's seen or others are seen, you may not be seen there. You, you may feel like, well, I'm in, I'm in perpetual kid purgatory. <laughs> I'm in children's church purgatory. No, the I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Now, I'm not going to let you feel sorry about your position, nor am I going to let you feel arrogant about it at the end, on the other end. Okay? And that's, and that's the Spirit of God saying this in these scriptures. We cannot say, okay, I don't need you. You know, uh, 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 I think I used Herb. I'll use, I'll use Herb again. He's a board member. He can handle it. He'll get his opportunity to get after me. He's back there. <laughs> but I'm more vocal than Herb is. But I can't say, I don't need Herb, because he doesn't do things the way I do it. Herb does things that I can't do. Do you see that? You know, if I got up and started to try and play the keys and sing like Joy, you'd leave. <laughs> I need... Do you see what I'm saying? I need the person and people that are greeters and ushers. I need them. 
I can't stand, you know, I could stand up here and minister. It's, it's tough to say hi to everybody at this point. It's tough to, I can't pray for everybody. But I know in this church, people are praying all the time for other people, and it's just common. You see it. I'm walking around at times, you know, doing my shepherd thing. I don't have my staff. It's up in my office. But I'll just walk around and watch. See, you don't think I'm watching, but I'm watching. I'm always watching. You say, how did you learn to do that? I was a youth pastor. I'd go to camp. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't try and keep up with the kids. So I'd find a comfortable spot and do what a shepherd does. And sometimes I'd stand in there and I'm like, God, this is so boring. He said, you're a shepherd. This is what shepherds do. And then if one tried to run off, I go over there, hook them. Nope. If I see an enemy come in, I got a club in the other hand. <laughs> People say, that's pastoring? Yeah. But every, there are times I'd get over into the spirit during services and stuff, and the Lord would let me hear what he hears. There's times I was up at youth camp at uh, Camp on the Boulder. No, no, no. What is it? Glacier Bible Camp? Hungry Horse. I did go to Camp on the Boulder when I was a kid at Faith, or with Faith Chapel. But anyway, um, the, this campground at Hungry Horse, it's large, and there'd be hundreds of kids there. Hundreds and hundreds, four or five hundred kids. Because kids from all over the state. This is just the high school camp only. The junior high camp was just as big. And I'd be, I had all these responsibilities that I had to do because every youth pastor worked the camp, a certain department or whatever. And they'd put me over what they called the registrar, which means I was over security and different things like that with the kids. So I'd have to stay up later. But the advantage was I got a golf cart to drive around, and it was fun. <laughs> you know, I didn't have to walk everywhere. So it was fun. But the kids would get out of service, and they'd be down at the snack shack afterwards. Because after you get in the presence of God, you have to eat a lot of sugar. It's just like a thing you have to do. But anyway, that way you won't go to bed at night. It just works out perfectly. <laughs> Anyway, I'm walking, and this, the snack shack and everything was down below, and I was on top of the hill. And I'm walking over to go down to where they are, because i got to you know, be with my kids and stuff like that. I'm, uh, the youth that are there and minister, let them tell me what God did in the ministry time and all that stuff. And so I'm, I'm headed there, and I get to the top of the hill, and the Lord said, stop. I said, okay. And it's dark. Sometimes bears run through there. It's awesome. But anyway... The lights down below are all on where the kids are, but it's dark up where we are, or where I am, with the Lord. And he said, listen. And it was just like this sound of voices coming up. And he said, that's, he said, you hear that? I said, yeah. He said, I love that sound. And I started to get it, you know, because I was, part of the time I had, you know, I was, well, I was overly tired anyway. Because, you know, the kids don't let you sleep. And the, the youth camp doesn't let you sleep. I mean, you just, you're going 100 to none, you know. It's just constant. But, but that's, that's, that's having an understanding of each other's importance. Because you begin to see it. See, whether it's a compliment or correction, when the love of God is flowing, you're able as a body and you understand each other 
you're able to take it. Because even the gifts of the Spirit are not all uh, comforts things. They can be rebukes. So what if one of the brothers or sisters in the body here gets up and gives everybody a good rebuke? And then it hits your situation right on the head. And you start looking around. The devil puts a thought in your head. You know, I told so-and-so about that. They must have told so-and-so. And then they told so And now this person's prophesying about it. Or maybe it's just the same body. And we all feel your pain. You see it? God knows. You know, I've gotten up and I've said things and spoken things by the Spirit. I had no clue. And I was dealing with something. Now, this, now I have a clue in a sense because I know wherever I go to minister or if I do minister, I'm going to hit something. And people are going to think, how do they know that? And it's preaching prophetically. But when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, it can come out there too. Through the body. God will begin to do. Now, if you just look straight ahead when somebody's reading your mail and smile and say amen, no one will know it's you. I mean, learn some tricks here. But then when you go home, you can fall across your bed and go, oh God, that was me. That was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'll fix it. You know, amen. Why? Because we're all important. We don't not, we have need of everybody. The individual members must respect one another because each has a necessary function in a healthy body. Each has a healthy function. Verse number 22. No, Paul says this, much rather by the Spirit of God, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. The mirror says it this way. The members are not rated in importance with how visible and prominent they seem to be. The less visible parts are, indis are indispensable. It is impossible for the body to function without them. If you are struggling with your position, whether that, whether that be knowing it or functioning in it, this would be a good confession for you to make over yourself. Declare, I am necessary to the body of Christ. People do this. They get into one dish. They go, oh, look how amazing I am. Or they go to the other one. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just useless, Lord. I don't even, you know, they walk around. I don't even know why you saved me. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. Because he loves you and he gave you a gift. Well, I'm not like so-and-so. Stop that. <laughs> it's intentional that you're not like the other person that you think you're supposed to be like. Or that you feel like they're super spiritual or somehow better. No sense trying to pick something up with your eyeball. Some of you will get that on the drive home. See verse 21. <laughs> as long as we are on the earth, there will always be two miles of dishes for every mile of truth. People will either lean toward believing they are useless or toward believing they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Both are pride and have to be guarded against. I said both are pride. Oh, no, I'm very humble. I just, I'm just, a, you know, I'm not worth any. No, you're prideful. Because you, anything that is high, anything that doesn't just match to what God said, if you try to go higher, that's pride. If you go lower, pride. you got pride in your life. And you got to uproot that thing, amen, with the word. 
and with his truths. No member of the body is sufficient in itself. It is impossible in the physical body. It is impossible in the spiritual body. In fact, in contrast to what is often thought, the weaker members are essential to the proper functioning of the body. Those may only seem to be weaker, or they may actually be weaker. Either way, they're still important. But the point is, is that they are part of the body, and they are there for a specific purpose, without which the body simply cannot function properly. They are necessary, they are vital, they are part of the body. As believers, we must learn to do what Paul did. We must learn to glory in our God-given graces. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31 says this, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Verse 23 says this, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. Um, I would, I'm going to read this in the mirror, but it says this. Those members that seem to be less of lesser visible value deserve the greater and more personal care. There is so much more to a person than a pretty face. <laughs> Sorry, Mike just whispered, what? And it just th it threw me. You guys didn't hear it, but I heard it. And I was like, oh, that's good. Hold it together, Sean. Okay. God so structured the body that every single part is equally valued. The less visible parts are often treated with great, even greater honor and more spe specific care. Amen? They are. There must be a mutual respect and honoring of lesser members. Delicate but vital organs must be cared for. In verse 23 and 24, Paul used two sets of puns to further his point. Those must be given more honor, and those parts which are unpresentable must be made presentable. Less honorable members must be given more honor. How do we do this? Simply, we give them special attention. They are provided with special care, and we take care. Uh, we take we take the time to clothe them. You know, our society doesn't take time to clothe certain things that they should. You know, you don't understand the value of covering that part up. All right. The point is clear that some parts are more and less attractive. Hello. <laughs> Probably because of function. He's using the body as an example. Okay, I'm not going to go into great detail. I'm just going to let you think about that. <laughs> the more attractive parts we make sure are noticed. The, they receive honor and attention from others. We do not hide them nor forget them. We provide uh, them with honor and care. But each member must receive equal honor and care. For God ordained the bodily operations as they are, and he has equalized the gaining and receiving of honor. If, the, if this is the way God has planned it for the human body, and he intends that each member function correctly and be a part of the whole... Is it not more than reasonable to believe that he has done the same excellent thing in his spiritual body, the church? Paul's message could not have been made more any, any clearer. He was writing to a church racked with internal division, squabbling in bitterness over such false notions as stronger and weaker, greater or lesser Christians. 
Just as every member of the physical body has an important function, so every believer, even if they are weak, has a vital role to fulfill. Paul, uh, David understood this. I'd be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. David was king. People go, oh, you'd never give that up. He would have given it up just to be in the house of his God. And that's the motivation for the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 25 says that there should be no schism in the body. If I see my hand and my eye just as important, I'm not going to pick one over the other. But that the members should have the same care for one another. Well, I just come to this church, but I don't have to do anything. Actually, if you're a part of the church, you have to have care for one another. You are to care. Well, I just go to church. You know, I watch people online. Then you're an island unto yourself. And guess what? People say, well, yeah, but I don't have any responsibility. Yeah, and you're not being ministered to by the body. That's like saying, Heidi and I are married, but we're not going to live together. Hello. Oh, no, it's not like that, Sean. It's exactly like that. I have a responsibility because I'm baptized into the Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that Dale is. I have a responsibility to care for him. Well, yeah, preacher, that's your job. That's what we pay you for. No, 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 no. No, it's our job, and it's what we've been baptized into. So how much time have you spent praying for your fellow church members this week? It'll shift after tonight. I'll bet you that. God doesn't want a schism. A schism is a split or a gap, a division or a dissension. That's what it is. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Have you ever had this attitude? I've had to deal with this in myself. You know, you see a brother or sister in Christ and they're going through something. Maybe they caused it themselves and you're kind of like, well, it's not affecting me. Actually, it is. You say it is. Yes, it is. When we don't develop spiritually like we should, we hinder our productivity. Come on, guys. Think, 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 think. Dig in here with me with the Spirit of God. Think about this. In the natural, in business, if, if, a, if you have a boss with a business and one member of the team is not doing what they're supposed to do, does it affect that business? The same is in the church. In your physical body, if you have one part of your body that isn't functioning right, does not the rest of your body go, hey, 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 what's going on here? How many have ever laid on your, on your side too long or something and had your arm fall asleep? Does the rest of your body know? See, if we're not doing our part, in fellowship and submission to God and then to who he's asked us to submit to in the body of Christ, we're causing an arm to fall asleep. Now, if you sufficiently cut off circulation good enough, hello, 
how many know that part of the body can die? But we want the gifts of the Spirit. You know what I mean? We want, we want, I want big time prophecy. I want big, I want the gift of faith. I want working of miracles. So do I. But until this is in place, I'm not saying those things won't function. I'm saying they won't function like they could. Uh, I don't, I don't see him here today. There's a couple that comes to our church. They're an older couple. And he's uh, talked to me a few times. And I'm not, I'm, his mind's slipping my mind right now. Or his name's slipping my mind right now. But anyway, he said this. He told me, he said, years ago they went to this. I think it was a, a Hutterite church. And God was moving. He said, he told me, he said, anytime there was somebody sick in the body, he said, we go to the altar and pray. And they were healed instantly. He said, we never didn't see them healed. I wonder. Now God's the same. There's something that's happening there. There's a care. There's a love. There's a there's a brother. I'm not going to let you keep going down this path because it's going to destroy your family if I do. There's a knowing that if I don't intervene here, come on. If I don't intervene in prayer. Something could happen to this person, and it won't be good. And it'll have an effect on not just them, but it affects me because they're a part of my body, the body of Christ. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Members individually, I love that. God equalized the gaining and receiving of honor to prevent division and argument in the body and to promote concern among the members for each other. This way, suffering and loss are shared, as well as joy and honor. The body becomes a tightly knit unity affected uh, by everything its individual members do and feel. It must be remembered that the context for Paul's statements that are members of the body are to rejoice and suffer together in spiritual gifts. This means that if a church member does not have a prominent gift, he should not be looked down on, but accepted as a member of the body. Similarly, no one is to think that being used for a special manifestation makes him or her better in the church than any other person. We must not allow individuality to move us to independence. We must, I'm going to say it again, we must not allow individuality to move us to independence. No believer is an island unto themselves. When believers separate themselves from the body of Christ, they are not ministering to someone, and someone is not ministering to them. It creates a lack in the body. It, it creates a lack in the body individually and corporately. Verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, a variety of tongues. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Everyone is not an apostle or a prophet or a teacher or a miracle worker. Your gift does not exalt you above anyone else. It is clear then that there can be neither competition nor any ground for boasting. The gifts do not compete with each other. Instead, each gift complements the other. The questions presented in verse 28 and 29 uh, uh, expect a negative answer. In other words, they point to what Paul has said earlier. God has put diversity in the body of Christ. He has set in order a variety of functions and gifts for the good of the church. Finally, verse 31, but earnestly desire what? The best gifts. 
and yet I show you a more excellent way. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul ends the chapter with a strong encouragement to desire the best gifts to operate, but also with the phrase, I show you a more excellent way. We all know this chapter leads into the love chapter. We see again the importance of spiritual maturity in conjunction with the gifts of the Spirit in operation. So what's the point? If we are praying for one another, if we are loving one another, if we see each other as valuable and coming from God, that we're baptized into one spirit, that we all are united together, from that place we then can fellowship with God unhindered and hear from him clearly. And then know what gifts. The Holy Spirit, you know, um, have you ever uh, uh, stubbed your toe? Let me ask you this. Does your body, it must have been a recent event. <laughs> um, does your body know how to minister to that toe? How many, uh, how many of you uh, sl uh, slammed your finger in a, in a door or something? Does, you, does the rest of your body go, run away? Your finger's going, ah, you know, and the rest of your body's going, get out of here. We got to get out of here. Do they do that? What does the rest of your body do? I don't know why guys hop, but guys hop. Girls go like this. Anyway. <laughs> you know, like that's going to help. But anyway, but, but what my point in this is this is when we fellowship with the Lord in intimacy, we won't wonder how to minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you get poked in the eye, your eyelid closes, and you go like this. Your hands know what to do. So if I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, and, the, and I'm ministering with Him, and He says to me, and shows me a need in somebody else in the body. And gives me, I don't wonder what to do. I know what to do. Because I'm connected to that person. In the spirit. Paul actually made this statement in Colossians. He said, I see your good order in the spirit. He was not even with them. He wasn't even in the same city. And he saw their order in the Spirit. I think sometimes we think we're pretty spiritual, but we're just not there yet. Where you, the whole, you're so in tune with your Father, you're so in fellowship with Him that you actually are praying out. Family issues that you haven't, that, that not in your family, in someone else's in the body. And you don't even know what's going on, but you're, you know the Lord has you on a prayer journey. And you may pray the whole thing out, hear about the testimony later, and they may never know you prayed. But it doesn't matter because you're an unseen part of the body. It's fine. You did what you're supposed to. And how many wonder if God will not have rewards handed out for people that lived in the unseen? See, you're connected to me, and I'm connected to you. So like people, people have said this to me, and I know sometimes I joke about it, and I probably shouldn't, and I know we need to be done. But, you know, people have come up to me and, and said, you know, God told me to be at this church. 
You know, and I, I sometimes I have to watch in case you haven't noticed being cynical. You know, in my home growing up, sarcasm was a form of communication. <laughs> I mean, I, we were excellent at it. You know, we learned how to tell each other we loved each other in sarcasm. <laughs> it was just great. But anyway, if the Lord did tell you to, to, in your fellowship with him to submit to this body, and connect with this body. That means you have assignments here. People, see, now here's a problem. This is in America now. Watch this. We can now pick the church we want to go to that suits our needs. I've heard people, I've heard, I've heard things said, and, I, and we've all said dumb things, so I don't want to make, I don't want to just pick on people, but, but, but people say things. They go, well, I would go to that church, but. So I go over to this other church because they have. And it's natural stuff. Now, if you just don't know the Lord and you're real young or you just don't know the Lord at all, I get it. But I'm talking about people that have been saved for 20 and 30 years. I'm talking about people that have been saved for 20 and 30 years and they're going from church to church looking for a new bottle to suck on. You like that one? <laughs> I think Mike felt that one. He was like, <laughs> I'm talking about people that have been saved for 20 and 30 years. <laughs> Brother Hagen actually said this. He said, some churches never grow because the, because the, the, the ones in the pews don't want to give up their bottle. Because they don't want to grow. Which means the pastor cannot, and the pastors cannot take care of all the babies. See, disciples are actually supposed to disciple. Well, I have my needs. Yeah, but if you've been saved for 10, 15, 20 years, and you haven't developed your faith to the point where the Lord's meeting your needs... Something's wrong. You see why we're on this? Church is not entertainment. This is a kingdom advancement. We're, this is, and it is what Leonard Ravenhill said, this is a dressing room for eternity. That's all it is. Well, I just don't have time to serve. You're not telling me that. You're telling him that. I don't have time not to do what he told me to do. And I'm getting better and better at it. How about you? Amen? See, we set the tone. The, the Wednesday night gr the crowd sets the tone for Sunday. Because there will be a lot of people that come in that go, they just really don't know. They, don't, they just don't know. They're truly ignorant or truly babies. Or they're not saved at all. But if 50 of us come in here in faith, prayed up, ready to go, it will have an effect on the 50 or 60 or 70 that come in that aren't. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.